Welcome to the Gregory Diggout Podcast. God is a yes God, not a no God. He's a God that says what we can have, what we get to eat, what we get to enjoy. And when you eat what he has prepared for you, and when you eat freely of any of the trees of the garden, the trees of the fruit of the spirit, when you eat of his love, eat of his joy, eat of his peace, so many people are confused with the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is not something we produce in our lives. The fruit of the spirit is not something we muster up enough strength to walk in the love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Galatians chapter five. This is not a, a, a command to produce fruit. It is an invitation to eat the fruit. Galatians five is really a recreation of Genesis chapter two, where God told Adam and Eve to eat freely of any fruit of any trees in the garden. Just don't eat from this one. Really, Galatians 5 is saying the same thing. This is the fruit of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit that we produce. It's the fruit that we get to eat. You see that the whole understanding that people have had about the fruit of the spirit is so backwards. We've made it and preachers, and I, I used to do it this way too. I used to look at it this way, like we're supposed to produce the fruit of the spirit. We're supposed to become spiritual people and produce the fruit of the spirit until I really saw that it's not something that we are producing. It's something that, that the Holy Spirit produces. It's the Holy Spirit carries the love. The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we've been given the fruit. What do you do with fruit? You don't just pass it out. You eat some of it first and you enjoy it and you share, but you eat of it. The only way to share it is to eat of it. The only way it can come forth from you is for you to eat of it. So the fruit of the spirit is given to us to eat from, not given to us or not um, demanded of us to produce it. You got me? Boy, you get a hold of that and it just breaks you out of all the legalism, all the performance mentality, the performance orientation that so many Christians are under. Um, by the way, um, I welcome your questions today. I want to take some questions. Um, but in Genesis chapter uh, chapter two, where he talks about the first commandment in the garden was eat freely. God is a yes God. He wants us to eat so much of what he has for us that we lose our appetite for the world's lusts and the world's desires. I shared this verse with you yesterday that the world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of the the one who does the will of God will endure forever. And the will of God is to be thankful for what we get to enjoy. Will, the will of God is to give thanks in everything. We're the we're the saints that are the last frontier. We're the final frontier of freedom in this world, and we must make sure that we are living a life that is um, that is allowing God's goodness to flow through our lives by us eating of it and then sharing it, eating the fruit of it and sharing it. But the church is the last hope of the world. The Bible says the church is the pillar and support of the truth. Now, it's great that America is America and we 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 live in a very contentious country that is divided over over politics, divided over race sometimes. But 
And the division about race is evil. The division of politics is not so evil. The division of politics, I think, in some cases, creates balance. And I think if we look at it that way, then we don't have to pick sides. We don't have to take sides. Okay. Um, so I wanted to remind you, though, in Matthew chapter 16, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Okay. We're the church. We need to stay connected. It doesn't mean that you have to stay for every minute of my live posts, but we got to stay connected. We got to stay involved. We got to stay plugged in. There's coming the day when we meet in person again, but until that time, we have the power to stay connected still. And, um, and we'll follow the leading of the Holy Spirit on that. But, but don't, don't lose sight of the fact that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, which means gates don't advance. Gates are stationary. So what he's telling us there is we, the church, we need to march towards the hell, the gates of hell. We need to march towards the, the enemy and, and kick in the gates of hell. Gates don't march. Gates are stationary, but he said the gates of hell will not prevail. So what are we doing? We're busting hell open. We're busting the gates of hell open and rescuing souls who are on their way to hell by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. We're, we're the ones on the offense. We're not on the defense. The gates don't march towards us. We're on the offense and we are going to take souls. We got to reprioritize our lives. We got to go after souls because coronavirus is, no, is nothing compared to hell. Okay. There's no disease. There's no sickness. There's nothing bad in this world that can compare to hell. And Jesus has provided his own body, his own blood, his own sacrifice to rescue us from having to go to hell by paying the punishment of the sins, of the judgment of our sins. He became the curse. He became sin. He took all of our, all of the wrath of God and it was laid upon him. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? God forsook him on the cross so that he could accept you so that G the father could accept you with the with the payment of Jesus blood because sin has a payment sin has a price everything in life has a price so sin has a price death the wages of sin is death Jesus takes that death Jesus takes our sin Jesus becomes all that he dies for us in our place he takes our place and then we can take his place seated with him in heavenly places. Woo! All right. I preached myself happy there. So we are on the offense. We are on the offense. We're going to win souls. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to cast out demons. We're going to feed the hungry. We're going to reach the lonely. We're going to rescue mankind. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. Um, let me take some of your questions as you realize we're the church and nothing's going to stop us and nothing's going to nothing is going nothing is going to stop you you know how powerful you are do you have any idea how powerful you are you are full of wall to wall god inside you know when they put carpeting we used to call it wall to wall carpeting they used to advertise in the 70s that if you have wall to wall carpeting that's like a prosperous home you got wall to wall wall-to-wall -wall, uh, carpeting as if the, the carpet only goes halfway to the, to the wall. It goes wall-to-wall -wall 
And you on the inside of you, you are wall to wall, Holy Ghost. You are wall to wall, Holy Spirit. You got the living God living inside of you. So you are powerful. Greater is he that is in you than he, that's in, than he that's in the world. I want you to believe that about yourself. It's true. Whether you believe it about yourself or not, it's still true. But when you believe it about yourself, now that activates the truth. It activates your power. And you start praying with authority. And you start speaking the word of God with confidence. And you start uh, loving people without needing them to love you back. And you start blessing others without needing them to bless you back. And you start encouraging others without requiring that they encourage you back. This is how powerful you are. You're powerful enough to be happy every day of your life. You can't control every circumstance that happens in your life, but you can control your attitude every day of your life. We are not thermometers reading the temperature. You and me are thermostats. We set the temperature and I'm setting it right now on victory. I'm setting it right now on more than a conquer. I'm setting it right now on greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. It's time to come up. It's time to rise up. It's time to take our rightful place as sons and daughters of God. You know why all these things happen in the world, not because God's judging the world. It's not because God, I know preachers that have told me it's God's judgment. It's God's judgment. Let me tell you something. The reason why things in this world are happening is because man makes bad decisions. Man makes bad decisions. The world is already broken. And then you add to it bad decisions by people. And now you have brokenness in the world. This virus could have been stopped in China, if China, if the leaders of China, the Chinese people weren't responsible for this, but the leaders of China would have told us when they knew right away, then all of this could have been stopped. Either they did it intentionally, which I can't judge their motive, but they definitely did not tell us. And we could have stopped it going to Italy. We could have stopped. There was Milan. It was uh, Wuhan to Milan every day, nonstops. Mu Wuhan, China to Milan, Italy, all day long, every day, every day, every day. And that's what brought the virus. That's why it attacked so uh, ferociously in Italy. And then to America, all the travel to America, back and forth from these places. Fortunately, we stopped it when we did. But we, if we would have known to stop it sooner, we would have had less casualties. And that's, that's not God. That's people that didn't do what they should have done. That's not God that wanted that to happen. That's people. If I, if, I, if I were to abuse one of my children, as God forbid, and they, they, could, they could do more damage to me than I could do to them at this point in, in life. But uh, especially my younger son who broke my nose and tries to break my ribs every time we get in a little tussle and breaks my back and comes out of nowhere and just boom, punches me hard. And then, uh, you know, but he just has no idea what is in store for him when he gets his harvest from me. I will dish out his harvest at some point when he's not expecting it. But the point is, is that if God forbid I abused one of my children, um, that would not be God's fault. That would not be God letting that happen. That would not be God's will. That would not be God judging that child or God judging me. That would be me being out of control. That's me. That has nothing to do with God. You see, 
We've got to stop blaming God for bad things and taking the credit for good things. I give all the glory to God for the good things, and I trust God during the bad things. Give him all the glory for the good things. Give him thanks in the bad things. Not for the bad things, because they didn't come from him, but in the bad things. Hey, you got me? All right, um, Nicole from London. Hey, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so grateful. God bless you. George, question. My dad, who is a Muslim, says that the Holy Trinity is not written about in the Bible. If there, is there only one God or three gods? Okay, George. Um, George Rogue. George went rogue on me on that question. God bless you, though. Uh, here, listen. There's one God, but he's three in one. Um, how can I put it to you? And it is in the Bible. Let us make man in our image. And then in 1 John chapter 5, he talks about the, 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 the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All right. Now, and 1 Corinthians 13, may God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit um, uh, uh, reveal to you the grace and the love of God. Okay, you can look that up as well. But in answer to the question of um, is there one or is there three, put it like this. The compound, the, the chemical compound H2O, which we know as water, H2O, it's always H2O no matter what form it's in. It's one compound, H2O, right? Hydrogen, oxygen. It's one compound, um, one part hydrogen, two parts oxygen, right? H2O, that's what it means, I think. Uh, so, so now that comes in three forms. It's funny that it's made in three forms, just like God is three in three forms, but he's one. It's one compound, H2O, but it, in the, it, it comes in liquid form as water, gas form as steam, solid form as ice. It's not three different compounds. It's not three different H2Os. It's one H2O, but it's in three forms. Got it? So it's a solid, it's a liquid, and it's a and it's a gas. The Father now God is three forms: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, H two O. One compound, three different forms in one. And you can have all of them at one time. You could you could have a glass with ice, water next to it, and steam from water that you're boiling. Uh, and you got all three at one time in one place, or they can all three be all over the place individually and or together. That's what God is like. Okay, great question, George. Hope that helps answer that. Um, any other questions that you guys have, feel free to jump in here. Um, let's see, Donna, how, um, how can I stay firm-footed with the Holy Spirit even though at times I let others steal my peace? Well, I think by you can stay firm-footed with the Holy Spirit by realizing that he'll never leave you or forsake you. Um, he lives inside of you. So even if you don't have peace, even if somebody takes your peace, take it back. How do you, somebody messes up, someone messes with your life, takes, robs you of the peace, you know, disrupts your day deliberately, tries to throw you off if that, if they did it deliberately or not. Let's say your peace got robbed from you. Go get it back. The Bible says the thief's got to give back sevenfold. You take your peace back by meditating on God's word. The Bible says the mind that stays on him, he will keep in perfect peace. 
So we need to get our minds back on him, not on what that person did to you. Get your mind back on him and what he's done for you, and you you will have your peace restored. But the Holy Spirit is never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you. So you're good with the Holy Spirit. You put your faith in the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you and him are good forever. All right. Um, Brian, I just shook off all the bad day all the bad in my day. Thank you for not being a punk and preaching boldly. Pastor Greg, you are awesome. All right, Byron. Sorry, I called you Brian. Byron. Bless you, Byron. Thanks, man. Glad I'm not a punk, too. Okay, um, uh, (laughs) Annie, what is the one thing you do that helps you stay in faith every day? Two things I do that helps me stay in faith every day. Number one, I believe the love that God has for me. That causes my faith to work all the time. I, faith works by love. So I believe the love he has for me and it causes my faith to work. And the other thing that I do with my faith is I pray in tongues every day. I pray in tongues because um, the Bible says we build ourselves up. Jude verse 20, Jude verse 20 says we build ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. So this is a beautiful gift that anybody can have. By the way, if you're interested in the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the power to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power to have that heavenly prayer language between you and God, um, all you got to do is ask God for it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, I think he says, um, yeah, he says, ask and you shall receive. If anyone asks for the Holy Spirit, the Father's not going to give him some, a devil instead of the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is ask. Um, and also, I just encourage you to, to get, get our book, The Power of a New Life. You can go to our website. You can go to, what, what do you, where do you go to get our book? GregoryDickow.com Gregory slash salvation. And that'll take you to a whole discussion about what salvation is. Or you can click, the, you can click a tab there and you, can, um, and you can download the book, which is The Power of a New Life. Okay, it's my gift to you. Just download it. It's free. It's there. It's there for you. Okay, hope that helps. And God wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's got that beautiful gift for you. Um, Somebody asked, uh, let's see, Pastor, how do you keep being there for someone who keeps saying things that hurt your feelings? Um, From a distance, Keisha, I think, asked that. From a distance, you, you let them know, hey, I'm here for you. But you don't go and subject yourself to being, as you as you describe, um, your feelings hurt all the time by that person. Ask yourself if you're just overly sensitive or if they're very insensitive. Be be honest with yourself about that. Have have intellectual honesty about yourself. It's emotional intelligence is self awareness. So it's you being honest with yourself. And maybe I'm being overly sensitive. But if you're not, and if that person's truly being insensitive then distance yourself. Like we all know what it means now to social distance. You got to emotional distance yourself from people. You got to, you got to do some emotional distance the way that we do social distance. It's, it's interesting how, how people just walk by one another. Now, if they got their masks on, they hardly look at each other in the eye. They might look, look down. It's like, cause everybody knows that's, it's, it's a little beyond what is absolutely necessary to stay healthy. To stay healthy, um, you, have to, you have to follow those, follow wisdom, but have faith. Follow wisdom, but 
make sure your wisdom is following your faith. Believe. Believe for God's protection. Believe for um, God's divine intervention in your life. You know, we can't live in fear. We can't live in fear. There's, 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 there's bad things out there. Can't hide from them. I'm not saying anybody accusing anybody of hiding, but we got to get our country back. We got to get the world opened up. We got to, we, we can make sure that you don't fall into the trap of the prison of two ideas. That the prison of two ideas means you're imprisoned by the fact that only one idea can operate. But you can have two things operating at the same time, meaning we can be safe and we can use wisdom and we can get back to work and we can open our country and get back to church and we can we can do those things at the same time if it can work in target it can work in church if it can work in the jewel osco it can work at the small company that is owned by one person who has three employees but they're being told that they have to keep their business closed so that nobody dies we got to stop shaming people as if Opening our businesses is going to make people die. Let's use practical common sense. That'll prevent people from dying, not shaming people into staying closed. So this is happening, people. We are going to open up our country back. We're going to open up our churches back. You got to you got to be prepared for that. And you got to, The way you prepare for that is don't pick one or the other. It's not. You have to be a Republican or you have to be a Democrat. You can draw from both of those ideals the things that are balanced. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be wisdom or faith. It can be both. But we are people of faith, and that's where it starts. Everything starts with faith. All right, hope that makes sense. Um, how can I quit smoking? Um, stop trying so hard. That's my answer. Stop trying so hard. Um, you have to, the body is wired to be fed and to have certain chemicals in it that are working to make us healthy and happy. Serotonin and dopamine and these chemicals that God wired us to, to that go through our brain, um, like gratitude releases the chemicals like dopamine and like serotonin, gratitude releases those, love releases those, forgiving people, it activates those chemicals and they begin to grow in the pleasure center of the brain. So what happens is, is that that nicotine is hitting the pleasure center of your brain before gratitude is. So I would say, wake up in the morning and start thanking God. Wake up in the morning and forgive everybody that you have anything against. Wake up in the morning and give God praise. Wake up in the morning and love yourself because God loves you. And then have a cigarette if you're still if you're still smoking. And then wake up every day the same way because you, what you're doing is you're retraining your brain to get its to get its um its chemicals the necessary chemicals for happiness getting them from God in the morning first thing and then what, what will happen is you'll lose your appetite for the nicotine you'll lose your desire for it because you're smoking thankfulness and you're smoking gratitude and you're smoking love and you're smoking forgiveness and you're smoking kindness and this is what activates the chemicals in your brain that makes you happy and you lose your you will little by little lose your appetite I would just when I got saved I would 
Um, I was on drugs. I was an alcoholic. I was getting high and drunk every day, all day, just about. And other than during work, but between breaks at work too. And at lunch during school. So look, I kept doing it at least a year after I got saved. I was still smoking. I was still drinking. I was still doing those things. But I was going home every every night and reading my Bible, sometimes an hour a day, just reading the Bible. And what was happening was little by little, I was weaning myself off of my other addictions because I was embracing the true addiction of God's love and God's word that once man does not and man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the word of God was filling me up while I was still doing those things. And then the word of God overtook those things to where I really lost my my appetite for those things, lost the desire. So that's how I did it. I'm not encouraging you to hurt yourself with nicotine, but I'm saying that's how I would quit. That's how I would go about quitting if I were you. Okay. And I was you. So that's how I did it. Okay. Um, and worse things than nicotine. Um, can a person living in dysfunction fulfill God's plan for his life? Absolutely. You're looking at them living in dysfunction. Hey, there's dysfunction all, all up in me, all up in you. Yeah. It's a process. We're a process. We're a work in progress. We're not fully functioning the way God intended, but his grace is sufficient for us in our weaknesses. His grace is sufficient for us in our dysfunction. Just get on with the next step of doing God's will. What's the next step for you? The Bible says that Jesus took one step. He took the next step. There's a next step for you. I'm praying for you right now. In fact, for all of you right now, I'm praying that God will show you what is the next step, not the next 20 steps, the next one step for you to fulfill your calling and your purpose in life. That one next step, maybe it's a, just to start thanking God. Maybe it's to thank somebody. Maybe it's to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe it's to, you know, to start writing down your thoughts into a gratitude journal. Maybe it's Maybe it's call somebody and ask them to forgive you. But I'm going to pray that you're going to see clearly what that next step is for you. Father, thank you that each of us will have a revelation and hear from you and be led by peace and be led by your spirit to take our next step. Whatever that is, I thank you for making it clear to every person watching, every person listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, we got so much more to cover. Thanks for the great questions. Hope that encourages you and helps get you down the road a little bit. And remember, don't try to take all the next steps. Just take the next one. Just move forward a little and um, God will meet you there. God's already there. He's already with you. He's never leaving or forsaken. God bless.